Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of God is Real, God is Good. This week is Kylie. So hi. Today I have with me Philippe. So tell us, oh, we're talking at the same time. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, my name is Philippe, and I was actually um, born to Portuguese parents uh, who are both uh, Seventh-day Adventists. I was actually born in South Africa, and uh, my parents, I mentioned, were Portuguese, but I was born in South Africa. And the reason for that is because uh, my parents actually grew up in Angola. And then when the Civil War broke out, my mom's family went back to Portugal. And my dad was, and his family were refugees to South Africa. Okay. And, and mm-hmm. just for me, a little update on my geography, which apparently I'm not so, so Portugal is, is in, uh, in Europe. In Europe. Okay. And just west of Spain. Okay. And then you said they grew up um, in Angola. Angola, and where is that? It's in the southern part, uh, southern western part of uh, Africa. Okay. Okay. Then, so, yeah, and then where I was born was in the uh, state of South Africa, country of South Africa. Okay. And <clears throat> in Johannesburg, and when I was about four months old, uh, my parents moved to the states. So, oh wow! As, as you can tell. Uh, we're quite diverse with you know I just yeah that's just part of my experience yeah and so now you're in central California yeah that's correct I uh, live in the Bay Area okay and uh, I grew up actually in Illinois and uh, about an hour away from Chicago and I was uh, I've also lived six years in Virginia so I've I've been on been a bit um, of everywhere yeah so uh, one right. of the interesting things is, um, as, a, as I mentioned earlier, I grew up as a Seventh-day Adventist, but my mother actually grew up uh, as a Catholic. And it wasn't until um, a call porter actually knocked on their house when they were, I believe, in Angola when she was a young girl. And uh, somebody sold my grandmother the Great Controversy. And it's actually through that experience that... Uh, my grandmother and my mom and others in our family became Seventh-day Adventists. Oh, wow. Um, that's so cool. That's yeah. cool. I call portered one summer. Um, and so that's really cool to hear the stories of like, oh, wow, people, you know, it changes people's lives. Absolutely. I, I've called Porter too, and it's not my natural thing that <laughs> I enjoy doing, but I think everyone, if you have an opportunity, you should do it. Yeah. It changes lives. It's, um, yeah. You never know. And those are just the stories we know of. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of behind the scenes that we just don't know that God is using this literature for him. So, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, I think um, let's pray. Let's say a prayer for before we start. And then you can start telling us your story that you came to share today. So I'll pray. Um, dear Lord, thank you for um, allowing Philippe and I to come together that we may share more about who you are in the goodness Um, and of your goodness. Um, Please just be with us as we do this recording. Um, Please put your words in our mouth um, that we'll share about you and just um, bless the listeners and help them to come to see you more clearly. Amen. Amen. All right. So mm -hmm. So you can tell your story now. Yeah. So, you know, when I think about my life, um, where I am today and where I was, you know, 30 years ago growing up, uh, there's the, a theme that kind of strikes me, and that is like, where was God in each episode of my life? When I, in the past, uh, when I used to share my testimony in my early 20s or even just as my late teens, I'd always focus on the one or two major events that like transformed my life. But looking back, I don't think that's the only place that God was, or that's mm-hmm. the only place where my testimony begins and ends. Uh, I think even before we consider we have a testimony, just our life and how God has interacted, even, for example, with my grandmother, and, you know, preparing the way, you know, for my family and my upbringing. Those are all part of God intervening in our lives. And that's such a good testimony. That's such a good point. It's kind of like the butterfly effect, you know, like all the small things that God does, just it adds up to these big things or to our testimony or to where we are today. Absolutely. So even if, you know, there are some individuals that don't feel like they have a, you know, big testimony or that big climactic event, you know, yeah, 
consider your life. Look at where God is, has been with you. Um, and even the small little blessings. Yeah, that's something Camus and I, you know, since starting this podcast, that's one thing we've really been trying to encourage others to see, you know, like when we ask somebody like, do you want to share your testimony? They might be at first, sometimes they're like, I don't know what I have to share. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, and just encourage them to see, you know, God is in the small things and the big things like you're saying. It's just like, if you're, you know, walking with him, he's been all throughout your life, you know? Amen. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, even though I'm going to be sharing a few of the highlights, because we don't have all day to, <laughs> to, to cover everything. Yeah, I just want to emphasize that God is in every little thing, every blessing. You know, we woke up this morning. Mm -hmm. It's a gift from God. So for sure. You know, so at a, a young age, um, I had it pretty good. I mean, I didn't have major issues. Uh, my family was pretty stable. Uh, I had wonderful parents. Um, I have a younger sister. We're about two and a half years apart. And even now, actually, my sister lives in Australia with her family, her husband and children. So like I said, we're always, we're from all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> We've kind of traveled the world. But um, one of the, maybe the first challenges I remember when I was maybe three, four years old, my sister actually had croup and had uh, some episodes where they were life-threatening. I remember waking up and the ambulance being in our living room. And uh, I had health issues as well. I grew up with allergies and asthma. And when I got to uh, first grade, um, I don't exactly know all the details or how it happened. I just know I got really sick. And it went from just one week to two weeks, three weeks to like several months of an episode where I was so weak, I couldn't even walk. I couldn't eat or drink. Um, I had diarrhea. It, just, it was just a horrible situation. And oh, wow. they'd take me to the doctor. They'd give me something and then send me back home. And it was just, yeah, it was just not good. Until the point that uh, my mom said enough and they rushed me to the emergency room. And uh, they ended up doing several tests. And um, I'll never forget uh, one day the doctor met with my parents. I was in the hospital bed. I was very weak. I couldn't walk really. Um, people think I'm skinny now, but back then I was even more. Oh, I was wow. like skin and bones pretty much. If you've seen some of those, you know, when they're collecting funds for kids in Africa that are really hungry. And uh -huh. I was, I looked that skinny. I was yeah. healthy before that, but just skinny. Yeah. But now with this, whatever I had, um, yeah, it was pretty bad. So I'm there in the hospital bed and in the corner, the doctor meets with my parents and um, I would assume that he was telling them, you know, the results and what was going on. And I just remember my parents crying. So I knew that something was wrong. Mm -hmm. And so they had basically told my parents that I might have had, or at the time they thought I had Crohn's disease and they didn't expect me to live for very long, maybe a month or so. Um, they were gonna do follow-up tests to see what's going on, but based on all the blood work and the stuff they had done that far, um, that was the diagnosis. Oh, wow. And uh, like I said, I was so skinny that even when they had the IV uh, in my veins, it would sometimes uh, touch the nerves. And so it would hurt like crazy. Oh. So there was some nights I actually pulled the IV and uh, I was like, forget it. I'm not doing this anymore. And then yeah. the was, okay, we'll give you a break. But in the morning we're gonna have to you know, put the IV because that was the only way I was getting fluids. And um, so they ended up doing an endoscopy. And I remember I was even before that, you know, a pastor had come and anointed me. Uh, church was praying, you know, my family was always supportive. Again, this is, I'm only six years old. This is first grade. Yeah. And um, I'll never forget. Yeah, my parents were praying before I went into to have that endoscopy. And yeah, I just felt peace. Went into there, they put me to sleep. And when I got out, I felt healed, like everything, mm -hmm. the weakness and all, whatever I had, it was gone. Now, I remember the nurses asking me, so how are you doing? And I says, yeah, I feel great. I'm healed. Now, Aww. it was just an endoscopy, so there was like no medicine or anything that <laughs> was supposed to be worse. So they were skeptical, like, what are you talking about? 
And I was so desperate, even when I was in the hospital bed for several days for me to get out that I had made up, you know, stories that, oh, no, I'm fine. Let me walk. And so I start walking and I fall. Mm. They're like, no, we're going to keep you. (laughs) So they're like, he just wants up again. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I told, you know, when I told them, hey, I feel healed. They're like, yeah, you said something like that before. (laughs) You actually weren't, you're you're physically too weak. But sure enough, uh, that evening I had my like first uh, solid food meal um, up until that point for weeks and over a month, month and a half, maybe I hadn't had anything solid because I just oh, couldn't wow. hold anything down. Yeah. And uh, within, I don't remember if it was two, three days or a little bit around that time, I was released from the hospital. And uh, so it was a, like a miracle. I, I don't know all the purposes behind that. And, you know, when I think back, where was God in those moments? I believe, you know, he was there with my family, mm-hmm. helping my parents cope and, and with my church family that was praying. We don't know all the details, but even to this day, they don't, the endoscopy came out negative and I just walked out of there. Wow. <laughs> so it wasn't really anything that the doctors had done. It was just, it was Not God. Really. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because they were still in the testing phase and, and all of that. Wow. Um, That's pretty awesome. And so and they... I, never really decided what was wrong you just you were just better yeah and since I didn't have major you know I was overcoming the symptoms I had before and I was holding things down yeah they released me and I remember at that moment in my life that I knew that God had a plan Mm. now I still believe even if something worse did happen I believe you know he still had a plan yeah but at that time that really like you know why am why is everything all of a sudden going back to normal uh, and I went back to school shortly after. And, but I knew that, yeah, God had a plan. And uh, so I kept going, you know, uh, going to church. My parents were pretty active uh, at that time. They were involved. My dad was a deacon. My mom was involved in Sabbath school and in other ministries of the church. Um, we would often attend the net meetings, like net 99 uh, evangelistic series that were uh, connected through satellite and we'd watch it in the big screen of our church and whether it was like Dwight Nelson or Doug Batchelor and so I remember those events and um, and I pretty much for the most part enjoyed church and I don't remember exactly what led to my decision but at some point somebody made a altar appeal and uh, around age 11, I made a decision to get baptized and to study with the pastor. And so I did that. And uh, those were good memories. I still have like these memories of where I was in, uh, at our, in our living room, the tables, you know, opening the baptismal book and filling in the blanks with my pastor. And then at the age of 12, yeah, I got baptized. Oh, that's awesome yeah that was uh yeah it it was a good actually just the other day I looked at some of my baptismal pictures and yeah they bring back uh, very happy memories of that uh, decision at an early age Mm -hmm. at that time I um oh you know as a kid people ask you know what do you want to be when you grow up and uh I had thought about I, I think often, you know, maybe said I wanted to be a detective. <laughs> uh, I thought maybe some of the, the books or uh, videos I had seen kind of led to think that was pretty cool. And then I, you know, had the idea of being a pilot. Yeah. Uh, but all those things were kind of like outside of what I would normally do. And even the talents and gifts that I had mm-hmm. um, from a very young age, I really uh, enjoyed watching my mom cook. And I would, my sister and I would often be in the kitchen. And uh, even when, you know, we'd finish something, I'd still be in the kitchen watching my mom and trying to help her. And that actually ended up developing a desire to eventually becoming a chef. Oh, wow. So around that age, my adolescent, early teenage years, yeah, I wanted to to become a chef. And it was around those early teenage years that, uh, started trying to figure out who I was and uh, what we sometimes call the rebellious years that started becoming a reality. I started uh, having some challenges, becoming more rebellious at home. Um, 
pretty much mostly with my parents. Mm. And um, I would hang out with my friends and sometimes they weren't always the best influences. I mean, they weren't the worst of friends, um, but yeah, I started doing things and saying things and acting in ways that definitely weren't reflective of my relationship with God and my decision to follow Christ. But um, um, yeah, I was just trying to find happiness, trying to find what did you know God want to do what did he want me to do in life? Mm-hmm. And um, I also, you know, I, I'm trying to find happiness. I'm trying to find who I am. And um, there was recently, actually a couple of years ago, I found a quote in Testimony Treasures, volume one, page 210. And it reads, seek not for happiness, for that never is to be found by seeking for it. Oh. Go about your duty. And uh, at that time, you know, I didn't understand that, mm-hmm. you know, as kids, you know, we want to find happiness. We want to, you know, know our place in life. And mm-hmm. uh, so I, I went to the local high school. Uh, I would travel. It was, uh, I was a village student. That means I commuted to school, but it was a boarding school. Okay. Um, but I was commuting. And uh, as I was mingling with my friends, um, actually, the reason why I went to that school is because, um, since it was a, a boarding school, they had a cafeteria and um, the sh- one of the chefs was actually uh, friends of my parents. Mm. He was Brazilian. And so he's like, hey, you know, come over. Maybe, you know, we can have you work with me in the cafeteria. And then on our weekends, he often got invited to do weddings and stuff. Oh, wow. And uh, he said, yeah, then you can help me out. And so I was like, I was totally, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So I was really excited. So I joined um, that local academy and yeah I ended up it was a work study program which was was really helpful uh, when I look at my life uh, not just the academic side but developing the whole person is really mm, important for know? sure having good work ethics and because that also develop you know helps you to see what talents you have so unless mm-hmm. you're working and trying different things and exploring different things you just really don't know so yeah I was working in the kitchen I was studying things seemed pretty good um, I was, I'm by nature, I'm a, a follower, like uh, a little bit now because of my ministry. It's of course changed. <laughs> I'm often put in the leadership role. So people look at me as the leader and because I speak up front, you know, and do public speaking, people think, oh yeah, he's not shy. Or he's not, but that's actually not naturally who I am. I'm actually very shy. I'm an introvert mm. um, during COVID. If it wasn't for my ministry, I mean, I was really busy, Um, but I would have, you know, people say, oh man, I'm just tired of being at home. I wish I was tired of being at home. (laughs) That wouldn't have been the situation. I I would love to stay home, you know. That's funny. It's like, it's awesome how like sometimes God calls us the things that we're like, never would choose for ourselves. So like, no God, see, I'm, I don't want to talk to people, but God calls us like to do things, even if we don't want to do it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And you know, he does that not, you know, sometimes when I was younger and, you know, develop, I think, man, God, you're just trying to be mean to me, <laughs> but it's not, it's actually, he knows what really would make us happy and tick mm-hmm. and develop different things in our lives. So mm-hmm. not just yeah. for ourselves, but maybe for others in the process. So, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I was, yeah, that was, yeah. So I, you know, I'm, I'm a follower because of that natural tendency I start to listen and watch things with my friends that definitely were not the mm-hmm. best. And, um, and, you know, the things that I was watching and listening to, they started to develop. I, I'm naturally being Portuguese, maybe, and, and growing up in a passionate home, I'm naturally passionate. And it's, if I'm not careful, it, that passion can easily turn into some type of aggression, whether it's, you know, verbal mm-hmm. or get angry. And I remember as I was listening to, you know, some of the the popular music and rap music of the day, it started bringing some anger uh, in in my heart. And uh, I would, and so when I would feel frustrated in life, I would go listen to that stuff. And then I'd be just like, you know what? Forget my parents, man. Forget this God stuff. And because I'm like, God, where are you? Why do I feel this, you know, frustrating? So I'm still, I'm trying to figure out, I'm in, you know, I go to Bible class. Mm-hmm. you know and I'm working and and on the outside people think I'm great because I you know I'd still dress up in my suit and tie 
and go to you know Sabbath school and everything seemed good on the outside, but my parents knew that I was really struggling. Mm. And uh, unfortunately, um, because I was a follower, a follower at the same time, the, lead, the leadership at the cafeteria saw that I had leadership potential. They would make me in charge of certain aspects of the cafeteria. And then I would abuse those privileges and let my friends steal and, and do mm. stuff that I, I'm not proud of today. But, and then I would hear my friends, you know, tell me stories about them sleeping around with my classmates and doing drugs in the back of the barn or whatever place. And it was like, man, it, it was tough. I knew they were, it was wrong. Mm-hmm. At the same time, if I said anything, I knew I might get it, you know, they'd get me in trouble or they would beat me up or, you know, bully me or whatever the case. So, and yet I you know, enjoyed what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So it was just it's hard to like down. be a teen with like, because you want friends and you want people to like you and you want to do what's cool. You don't want to be an outsider. Like it's a hard age. And that's exactly right. And so I, I, I get it when, you know, I see young people even today struggling because it is. Uh, you're trying to to figure out who you are, and you can, sometimes you can get caught up. And uh, so, even though you know I had some freedom because I'm, you know, by that time I have my own car. I'm driving to school. Um, oh yeah, one of the things I forgot to mention was because of my allergies and asthma. Um, I have a lot of food allergies. Actually, growing up, I had over 20 food allergies. Oh, my goodness. And like nuts and uh, um, beans and some fruits and stuff like that. I would all sometimes, for example, even with cashews or peanuts, even to this day, it's not as bad today. But if I smell or I was in a room with people eating peanut butter jelly sandwiches when I was younger, I would actually break out in rash. Oh, my goodness. So because of that, my parents... um, and specifically, my mother was trying to figure out what we could do naturally to help me feel better. And so my parents ended up becoming uh, vegan. And, uh, you know, health was always a, a big central, you know, thing in my life. Yeah. And so as I'm, you know, struggling with, you know, my identity now, and I'm having more choices, now I have a car. And I'm thinking, you know what? I always wanted to eat, you know, a box of donuts. And <laughs> that was something that, you know, and, you know, even at times, I remember my mom doing stuff for us, you know, because she loved to be in the kitchen and making pastries, growing up Portuguese. She'd make all sorts of stuff. So it's not that we were deprived of sweets or anything like that, but because it wasn't what my friends were eating or what, mm. you know, mm-hmm. I remember feeling like I'm deprived. And so <laughs> I remember one of the first trips when I had my car at the age of 16, I went to Krispy Kreme and got a whole box of donut and they ate the whole thing to myself. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't encourage you to do that. It was actually the most nastiest thing. And even to this day, I, I so yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. That might, that, yeah, that might've been too many. <laughs> uh, maybe one or two. <laughs> oh goodness. Totally, totally. And so it kind of made me kind of discuss it. I was like, man, this is a nasty, who would want to eat this? <laughs> <laughs> but it's just because I had too many. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And so I was, I would use these, you know, small little freedoms that I had trying to find who I was. And, and I thought this would make me happy, but then I wouldn't feel happy. And I, you know, I would initially feel good when I'd be listening to the, that kind of music or watching something that I shouldn't. But then at the end of the day, I would still feel empty. And then, you know, there would be disappointments in life, whether it was at school or at at home, and then I would act up, act out, and be really ha- angry, mm. very frustrated. And uh, I do remember many times rolling down the windows of my car, blasting the music, and saying, "God, where are you? I'm sick of this." And I would be basically driving through cornfields, so there's like nobody around. <laughs> um, and so that was real. I I struggled a lot. I remember it being really tough, and that leads me to something that happened um, that summer that basically transformed or changed the way I was thinking. Mm. Um, And my parents were actually invited to go to a crusade, uh, a series of Christian meetings at a church in the south side of Chicago. Uh, The evangelist had already actually done a full series and he was doing some follow-up but the church community liked him so much and the meetings were going so well that they kept expanding it. And 
he ended up staying for several months in the area. Wow. And so we were just getting the tail end of that. Uh-huh. And uh, so my parents would go. And I remember initially thinking, you know, I was still going to church, but it, to me it was just a, a show. And I, to be honest, you know, as my parents were keeping, you know, the Sabbath on Saturday, I remember, you know, sometimes I would even tell my parents, hey, go for a walk outside. And then I would go you know, into the living room and turn on the TV and watch mm. stuff that I shouldn't watch because the Sabbath to me started becoming a burden. It was all about the things I couldn't do. And, and so it just was horrible mm-hmm. from my limited experience as I'm trying to figure out who I am. And so my parents say, hey, let's go to the meetings. I wasn't too excited, but okay. I mean, I don't have much of a choice. So I go to the meetings <laughs> with my parents and I can't reject the reality that it was powerful. Mm-hmm. I remember hearing the messages and being gripped by them. And um, I don't know how long we attended, but my sister ends up making a decision for baptism. Mm-hmm. And my father decides to be rebaptized. Oh, wow. And uh, finally that Saturday comes when they're going to be rebaptized. My dad's gonna be rebaptized, my sister baptized in the evening. And uh, so we go to them, you know, that morning, worship. Um, I'll never forget. It was a powerful message actually on music and lifestyle. And it was speaking to my heart. I was trying to deny it and try to, you know, squirm through it. But uh, I remember hearing, you know, God's voice, but I was still resistant. And, uh, you know, that's one thing I, I realize. It's, it's so easy at times to put a facade to, you know, have this outward perspective you know i'm a christian or i believe in jesus mm-hmm. um and you know maybe even on the outward appearance do the right things but deep in your heart you're, ju- you're just a mess uh, if jesus is not in your heart and you're not following him every day and moment by moment walking with him even in your trials and even in your difficulties but you know just being connected with him it's it's tough and so um yeah so we we hear the worship service and then my parents decided for lunch, we were going to go to Lake Michigan with uh, another family. And then we'd come back for the evening meetings. When we went to our car, we were waiting for our friends to you know, follow us in their car. And we didn't see them. So we waited and we waited in our car, waited in our car. And finally, we went and got out and we saw them. They were still walking the neighborhood looking for their vehicle. Oh, wow. And uh, we're like, what's okay so we talked to them and they're like yeah i'm pretty sure we parked the car here but it's not here we just i don't know we don't know where it's at we think it's probably stolen oh no and uh, so they call the police they they make a police report and um so we end up by that time we had already lost an hour or so or even more i don't remember and uh, so we decided just to go to the basement of the church and we shared our lunch with them And then my mom's friend says, hey, Philippe, you want to come with me for a walk? It's good to walk after we eat. And, you know, so we walk. So I was a little apprehensive, but I was like, okay, sure. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm I'm a follower. You want to do something, (laughs) do it, good or bad. So I do it. And um, yeah, we start walking, not even one block away from the church. So we're in the south side of Chicago. For those that don't know, Southside Chicago is not the best part of Chicago. Uh, it's known for its high crime and violence. Um, and so we're walking, and all of a sudden, I start to feel strange. I'm afraid. I hear noises. I, I'm really scared. And um, I tell the lady, and she's like, she doesn't fully understand, nor do I, what's going on. But she's like, if you really want to go back, we can, even though we haven't walked (laughs) around the whole block. Um, So we walk a little bit. I see uh, a couple young kids, you know, roughhousing, uh, playing, you know, in the, you know, in the front yard. And I just, I tell her, you know, Sean, we we really need to go back. And so we, by that time, we probably just went, yeah, two blocks from the church and we turn around. As soon as we get back to the corner of the church, um, uh, there's an alley uh, between the church and the, the other block. And a young man runs from that block, uh, from that alley, I should say, 
and he's yelling, don't kill me, don't kill me, don't kill me. And I'm looking around and I'm trying to see what's going on. I don't see anything initially, but eventually I see a car pulling in our direction. He pulls to the curb, rolls down the window, and he has a gun pointed in our direction. Oh, wow. My heart just drops. I am now fully like in shock. I don't, I'm like scared to death. In my mind, I remember the stories on the news. I mean, if you see a gunman and somebody's, you know, running away, they're probably just going to mow us all down. Uh-huh. Uh, and they don't care who they kill as long as they get who they want. And it was, I, I always have a hard time saying this part because I had just gone to church. I'm, you would think that the first thought in my mind would be God, you know, help us. Mm-hmm. Even if I'm not fully living it out, God help us. But to be honest, I didn't. I, I was just thinking about saving myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember um, as we were at the corner of the church, there's actually a door farther towards the front on the side. And I was thinking, maybe if I go to the door, then I can go into the church and, and protect myself. Well, the young man actually tries to open that door and the door just won't open. Oh. Um, later, we find that the door is actually open. So unless an angel or something held it in place. Um, yeah, because the door was open. Oh, wow. I'm thinking, wait a second. Okay, that door is not an option. I got to get out. If I go backwards, there's not much where I can go. Um, so I thought, uh, let me do a Spider-Man move. And so I actually remember going towards the wall of the church. It was a brick wall. And I start trying to actually grab and climb the wall. Uh-huh. Um, you know it's like what was what was I thinking you can't climb the wall I was yeah it's adrenaline you're just you're trying to get out (laughs) that's it and you know I just didn't want to die and Mm -hmm. fear was so gripping my heart yeah you start doing and thinking just dumb things Mm -hmm. and I can kind of understand when the bible describes in revelation when um, the wicked see Christ coming in the clouds of glory they just want to hide they the fear the their hearts are so uh, scared of the truth and just the holy presence of God because of the decisions that they have made that their nature just recoils. Mm. And that's kind of how I felt, just total fear. At the same time, now this event, you know, when I tell it, it may sound like drawn out for minutes or hours, but it was probably only a minute or two. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. It felt forever. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty dramatic. And the whole time the gunmen are just, like holding the gun and, you know, pointing in our direction. And everywhere the other young man goes, you know, they're pointing uh-huh. the gun. And one of the reasons why I went to the wall was because the young man was going in between me and the lady. Uh-huh. So he was almost kind of behind us, using us as a shield. And so that's when I thought, man, I'm really going to die. Yeah. And as I'm running or, you know, not necessarily running, but moving towards the wall or, or towards that door, the lady that I was with, she says, Philippe, stop. Don't run. Stop. And I'm thinking, you're dumb. <laughs> if we don't move, we're going to get shot. Why uh-huh. are you being stupid? You know, don't be dumb about this. And uh, there was one thing I couldn't, you know, I, I couldn't deny. And the reality was, even though she's telling me to stop and she looks to heaven and she says, God, please save this young man's life. And she was talking about the young man that came from the alley that was running from the gunman. Mm-hmm. And she had lost her son one of her oh. sons in an accident. And she's always had a burden for young people. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Lord, you know, save his life so that he has an opportunity basically to follow you. Wow. And, and I'm thinking she's ridiculous. This is so dumb. You should be worried about yourself. <laughs> but the fact is she has peace. I can tell it in her face. I mean, she didn't move. She yeah. was just standing there, not moving and just looking down. And she has this peace and I'm, I'm oh. a mess. That's so powerful because like I know I've like nothing like that, but I've been in situations like needing God and like to and often, you know, it's a prayer inside, but to she has such a peace and such a you know, power for God that she's able to speak it out loud, like not just yes. just that confidence. That's awesome. Yeah, she did. And you know, even later I asked her, like, you know, what possessed you? And she's like, I don't know, Philippe. I just she was just in the moment and you know you know she'd been through difficulties before and she would she was used to crying out to god mm-hmm. and uh, i guess that's you know also a lesson for us the habits that you create now 
when the trials come, you know, if you're used to memorizing scripture and praying and reaching out to God, and even when you are struggling, like, God, I don't know if you really exist, but I hear, you know, I hear people's testimonies. I, I read the word and I, it, it makes some sense that you are there, but I don't really feel it. But as long as you're having that, you know, and wrestling, when the time comes, yeah, you're able to have something. So yeah, she's just, yeah, she just reacts to what she knows is the only way out and that's mm. to God and not just for herself, but actually she never even said, oh, she actually even says, I remember she's saying, if God, you have to take my life so that he can be saved, let that be. Wow. And so she's really sacrificing herself. Wow. So we're still going back and forth. I'm trying to run. Uh And the last time I look back at her, I mean, it was a sunny day, so I can't fully, it looked like there was a glow behind her. I, I don't know how else to describe it. But more than just sunshine, there was just something that was glowing. And um, as I went to go look at the gunmen one more time, because they were to my right and she was on my, to my left of my vision. She, um, I just hear screeching tire sounds, burnt rubber smell. And I look and the gunmen just disappear. The young man uh, runs away and I move I walk, actually, I end up walking towards the lady. I mean, my heart's beating. I'm still in shock. We just stand there for a few moments. And um, I think we say a few things. And then a truck comes through that alley that the young man had been in. The passenger window is rolled down. And the young man is actually in that truck. Oh, wow. And he looks to me and the, young, and, and the lady and says, thank you so much for saving my life. And of course, I knew that I didn't do anything. Yeah. The the lady's like, you know, she says something about God. It wasn't me. It was God. And she says something trying to appeal to his heart. And we just never see them again. Wow. Um, About five or 10 minutes later, police actually come to the scene because they had had heard reports throughout that morning Earlier that day, they had actually heard of reports of gunshots and and somebody running. And so they suspect when they piece everything together, these gunmen had finally pretty much cornered this kid at this church. I mean, it's a long wall. They could have easily just got him. But here we are in the middle. And God intervenes. His angels protect us. But that night, I remember being a mess. I remember crying. I remember saying, Lord... Yes, you know, you saved that young man, but you were actually trying to save me because I was lost in the church. I was lost going to a Christian school. Uh, I'm tired of putting this facade, you know. I was using music and movies and just unhelpful lifestyle to, to kind of fill the void. But at the end of the day, that void has to be filled with you. There's nothing else that can make me happy. And if I lost my life that night, I would have been lost, mm-hmm. even though I would have, you know, had just gone to church, just part of a powerful worship. And I, God was speaking to my heart, but I would have probably been lost wow. because my heart wasn't with the Lord. I hadn't surrendered at that moment, even though I had been baptized years before mm-hmm. uh, and I had given, you know, my heart to him. But, and that, that's a turning point. At that moment, I'm even not even... I'm not even looking at becoming a chef the rest of my life. I'm like, Lord, whatever you want me to do. Yes, I have this ambition to be a chef, a pastry chef. I really, you know, I just, when I'm cooking and and making pastries, it just hits at the core of who I am. I'm super happy. But at the end of the day, I'm willing to surrender everything because I don't want to be lost. And I just don't want to even follow you because of fear. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, that event really put fear in my heart and, Help me to realize that, you know, my life is borrowed, mm-hmm. but I want to, because you gave me a second chance, I want to, and I don't think he just gave me a second chance at that. Every day is another opportunity. Mm-hmm. But at that moment, I said, you know. You really saw the reality of like, yeah. of life is short. And like you said, life is borrowed. Like yeah. at any moment, it can just be taken away. It's, it's not something that we can hold on to, you know. Exactly. exactly. I love how you saw though in that experience, it was like, that you saw like even though that this isn't this event wasn't necessarily about you but you saw god 
calling you in this event you know that's that's awesome yeah so i my life so all my decisions i actually start now beginning to have my devotions Mm. I, I don't know really how to do them, but, you know, I start pulling out the Bible or uh, one of my favorite books, The Desire of Ages, and start, you know, reading about the life of Christ. And I remember as I'm <clears throat> going to school at this time, um, my friends would be like, Philippe, you know, on my free time, I'd be reading something mm. spiritual. I'm like, what, why are you doing that? That's for Bible class, man. Leave that alone. <laughs> and mm. I'm like, no, I, I really have this thirst and hunger for God. I don't want this just to be... Wow. an external thing I want it really to be about me and following my savior who has died for me and has given me a second chance I want to please him I don't want it just to be about oh can't do this or can't do that and I want to enjoy the things he loves mm. and um, and then I start going to you know our, our church had some Friday night youth meetings and that was about six months and so my dad six months later I don't know why, because I, I could drive at that time. So I don't know why my dad took me, um, but he takes me to, or is, we're on the way to go for the first night of this Youth Vespers. And we actually end up getting into a car accident. Oh. We're about to um, go over a small little bridge. And uh, there's actually a car that ends up sticking out from one of the side roads. The person that's coming over the other side of the pass is trying to dodge that car. So ends up coming into our lane. Oh. ends up hitting the barricade and if they actually had if that barricade had gave way they would have gone it like over the ravine it would have been oh. horrible they end up hitting uh the passenger side where i was uh, sitting and um of course airbags are uh, everything is you know our our car basically is totaled um again i'm in shock now again for the second time in six months um my dad asks me if everything's okay i don't respond initially um then he asked me again and I said, yeah, I'm okay. I end up crawling out of the car and we wait, of course, for the paramedics and for the officers to come. They look at the car and the damage and uh, they asked my dad, was anybody in the passenger seat? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad said, yes, there was my son. And then they're like, hey, we better take him out because it, it looked pretty, when you look at the damage, it looked pretty bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, it had completely smashed the passenger side. Oh, goodness. And... Um, but nothing had happened. I didn't have one scratch, nor my dad. I mean, every, besides oh, wow. shock, everything is like, we were fine. We were able to get out of it. Yeah. The lady that hit us, she actually broke her wrist and uh, she was in the hospital for a couple of days. But I remember again thinking, man, okay, now it's not that, not only do I have borrowed time and God is giving me a second chance, but the devil is out to get me. Mm. He doesn't want me to, to live another day. I mean, I'm, I'm simply just trying to go to a Vespers with other youth to study the Bible. And here he's, you know, making this obstacle. And I, it, it puts in me a little bit more of, you know, every day really is meaningful. You know, now I have a string of three possible events that were life, possible life-threatening. Life and, you know, from age six to being in the hospital mm -hmm. with the gunman and now this car accident. And I'm like, okay. So I just keep you know, keep studying, keep trying to walk with God mm -hmm. uh, because of my associations and environment. It was tough at times. Um, and one day my dad says, he's, you know, he was commuting about an hour to work and he's just done. He's done. He's tired of commuting. He's tired of the politics at his work and, and, and working in the city. And he says, we need to move. And they wanted to go to a more rural area. And uh, so they start looking at different places. Long story short, uh, we ended up moving to uh, near Weimar, California. Okay. Um, there was actually a series of other events that took place. Uh, we actually were even supposed to, I think, go to a school in either Washington or Oregon. But after we applied a couple weeks later, they shut that school down. Oh. <laughs> uh, and so then we're like, okay, we can't go there. Um, but then just like a month after that of being, you know, them telling us that the school is closed, they actually ended up opening the school and still having a school year. So it was just, <laughs> it was almost just enough for God to tell my parents, that's not where I want you to be. <laughs> and uh, so even in that situation, it's, it's pretty cool. But uh, we end up moving to the West Coast and um, I was very frustrated. 
because at that time um and you're about how old at this point like seven uh yeah i'm 17. okay yeah so it had been about a year from the gunman experience or okay. actually nine, nine months because that was about march when my parents i think we went and uh, visited uh, weimar institute at that time they were nice people <laughs> uh, you know overall was good but because my heart was still in illinois and at that time i i think i was in a relationship with a girl and I, I didn't want to lose that or uh -huh. I had major feelings and, 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 and at the same time when I'm having all these struggles and even kind of upset that we're moving, I also remember all my commitments and all my like, Lord, I know my life is borrowed, but I still have these feelings and I'm like, ah, I'm really struggling. Mm -hmm. And anytime something happened, I remember when we were visiting Weimar, something would happen and I would say, I think I had an allergy attack because they, you know, use a lot of cashews and garbanzo beans. And <laughs> so I asked them, you know, if there was anything, some, you know, no, not to their knowledge. Unfortunately, as soon as I ate it, that was it. One bite. I'm oh, wow. breaking out in rest. So I'm like, God, why you do this to me? No, <laughs> don't do this. <laughs> you know, my parents think this is going to be the school I'm going to. And look, no. And I to tell my parents, you see, that's a sign from God. I got an allergic reaction. I'm going to die here. <laughs> oh, no. And so, of course, you know, sometimes misunderstanding the signs of course that wasn't a sign from god but uh, we ended up applying and ended up actually getting accepted to weimar there was actually even miracles that took place in my parents moving and us going mm -hmm. there um, but the registrar told my parents hey there's a six week uh in this coming summer there's this six week medical missionary training um for youth and in italy in the alps in the waldensian valleys and i hear italy that's, you know, one of the meccas of food. I hear uh, medical missionary work. And because I had health issues, I was interested in medical missionary. And, um, and they were also going to teach cooking and stuff like that. So I'm like, hey, yeah, this sounds great. And that would also mean that I wouldn't have to actually be part of the movie. <laughs> across country so yeah. i'm like hey this is this is pretty cool so <laughs> you're like this is a win 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 yeah <laughs> absolutely so this is just before my senior year that this takes place and so i end up going and uh, what uh, some of the individuals that join me in italy are some of ends up being some of my classmates mm. our academy uh, not all of them but some of them and I will tell you that experience being six weeks out in nature without technology, without anything, and just studying how to be a missionary for God, um, learning about conversion. I mean, it was powerful. Like, mm. My devotional life just increased like tenfold. Uh, it was just, oh man, it was, even today when I think about it, just the most powerful experience. Uh, one of the most powerful experiences I had with God. Yeah. And um, yeah, and it's just being out in nature and, and connecting and, and being trained. Uh, it was great. So I came back totally on fire. Now my, all my animosity towards going to Weimar with my parents and being pulled from my environment, I still, of course, have some of those feelings, but they're like totally suppressed because I'm, I'm living it and I'm enjoying my life with God and I'm enjoying, enjoying the friends and, and the people that God has connected with me connected me with and so we come back after six weeks and uh, school starts it's time to elect officers for our class and uh, they're going through the list now I'm I think might have been one or two of the new students mm -hmm. that year most of my classmates had been with each other for years oh wow so I'm kind of the new kid on the block and I'm again I'm also quite shy I can't have my very you know verbose and out you know, yeah. you know, out there moments, but most of the time I'm, I'm pretty quiet, especially if there's people that are really sanguine and, and very in control. Yeah, I just let them do whatever, <laughs> kind of in the background. And we get to who's going to be the class pastor, and they put my name up. And I'm like, what's wrong with you guys? <laughs> I barely know most, most, some of you I don't even know. And then most, you know, a few of you I know from uh, the Italy trip, but why me? Yeah. And uh, they ask if I'd be interested. And I'm like, you, uh, you know, uh, like I'm really struggling. But I, I think I end up saying, oh, let me pray about it or something like that. I remember that night almost feeling similar to how I felt after the gun. I'm like, God, okay, you saved my life. But what is, this is crazy. 
And now I'm like, this is crazy. Why me? You know, and I felt like Moses. I can't speak. I'm nervous in front of people. Why do you want me to be, you know, class pastor? Long story short, I ended up accepting one of my responsibilities to, you know, do our class mission trip. Uh, we ended up deciding to go to China. That was even, we had obstacles even oh, doing that. I'm but sure. Miraculously, yeah, we raised, I think, $16,000 at the <sighs> time. We went, it was powerful. I mean, there was miracles there. Um, and now I have a dilemma. I'm almost done with high school. I'm about to graduate and I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. Mm. Weimar had, uh, they were actually, I think we're just being certified for the first vegan culinary program. Oh, wow. And so that was one of the reasons my parents thought, Hey, since I wanted to do that, maybe I could do that. I was working at the cafeteria at Weimar at that time. And so I loved doing banquets and stuff like that. So I was still into the culinary stuff and I ended up now even questioning that and I'm like Lord I through my that senior year in high school I realized yes I'm having my devotions yes I'm doing mission trips and being part of spiritual things but I want to know more I want to know why I'm a Seventh-day Adventist I want to know from the Bible and really have that closer experience so I end up asking like where am I going um, and long story short through many providential leadings I end up going to a small missionary school in Virginia Oh, wow. And I ended up studying uh, pastoral evangelism. And at that time, I still wasn't even sure if I was going to be a pastor. Actually, I was simply just wanting to go study the Bible. And so I went. And then actually, after my first year, I actually almost left. Um, but against through Providence, I stayed. And um, I remember in my fundamentals class, um, of Christian faith, we're studying the 2300 day prophecy in Daniel 8:14, And as the teacher is explaining the biblical explanation, like it clicks for the first time. I mean, I had mm. heard those words and phrases, but for the first time it made sense. And I, I don't know if I gasped or I made some type of sound. Everyone looks at me in class like what? But I was like, whoa, this is so cool. And I wanted to share it. Like I, and that's not naturally my personality. You know? I'm uh -huh. not, but yeah, I wanted to share it. And so during my internship, like I go, um, I become a Bible worker. And again, that was even providential because I was supposed to go to other, another country, possibly New Zealand or even Hawaii or somewhere else. And I end up going like less than 20, 30 minutes away from where <laughs> my school was and becoming a local Bible worker. Wow. And um, even, yeah, through that experience, yeah, God was just preparing the way. And uh, I said, Lord, okay. I now know why I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. I now know how to share the truth. Do you want me to go back into studying culinary? You know, I, I know now that even if I was to go back, I'd be active with my church. I would do whatever because now evangelism and being a Christian is not something that I do once a week. It's part of who I am. Mm -hmm. And, um, but God had other plans. Um, just as my wife and I, um, we just had gotten married, even actually how her and I, even got together is a miracle, but I'll leave that for another day. <laughs> but uh, she, yeah, we come back from our honeymoon. Well, actually, just before uh, getting married, we ended up the church. I had a one-year contract with the church, and they ended up um, at that time. Well, that was actually ended up being my third year with the church. So I had done a oh. one year during my internship, and then they extended it for two years. Wow. I just now was about to finish my third year. And the church board and specifically a few individuals decided that it's better to part ways. So I'm like, okay, Lord, where do you want me to go? And so I started getting all these calls. One of them was to California, where I am today, actually the same district I was, to, I came 10 years ago too. Yeah. And they, uh, I get the call and I'm like, no, California, man. I, <laughs> I've had enough of this West Coast stuff. I'm East Coast guy or Midwest. Mm -hmm. um, but my wife is from Southern California. And everything that I said I would never do, I would never be a pastor, I would never marry a blonde, I would never do <laughs> West Coast stuff, never, never, never. I end up doing almost all of it. <laughs> I uh, wonder sometimes if God just like laughs at our nevers or like yeah. almost like, he's like, well, now that you said that, no. <laughs> I don't think he's like that, but I'm sure he does laugh at us. Yeah, absolutely. God, I, I really, and, you know, and again, and I say what, you know, at the time I thought those things wouldn't make me happy. 
Mm-hmm. But I am the happiest person. You know, I'm blessed Aww. with a beautiful wife. I'm blessed with ministry, even though it's challenging at times here in the Bay Area. But all of these things, I th- yeah, I wouldn't do. Now I'm doing them. But so at that time, I'm like, And that's okay. like your, your um, the quote you shared earlier about not searching for happiness. Yeah. And you didn't search for it, but yet now you have found it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's it. And so we come back from honeymoon and I call some of these options. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no to Washington, no to Oklahoma. And I'm like, okay, the last option. Oh, one of the options was, you know, maybe to go and study, um, go to seminary uh, to get my master's of divinity. The other option was to go and um, maybe become a professional chef. Mm. But both of those two would require heavy debt. And I, at that time, I just wasn't convicted to do that. Mm-hmm. And so I called my last job offer. And that's in California. And when we got back and I called, I said, hey, by any chance, you know, is it still? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Can you come in May? And we had just got married in April. And I was like middle of April. They want me to come like in two, three weeks. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, no, no, no. Actually, I have an evangelistic series in May. I can't. The earliest is in June when my contract ends. They're like, okay. And I was like, but hey, you know, I don't have much savings. I just saved, you know, used most of it for my wedding. Um, and I'm a, you know, I'm a Bible worker. I have a little dog. I'm married. What, you know, I'm on the other side of the country. And they end up taking care of everything. Wow. They just say, come. And uh, even at that time, I am not convinced that God wants me to be a full-time minister. Oh, wow. Uh, I'm just going by faith. I was like, Lord, if you want me to, then you got to open the door. Mm -hmm. Uh, Long story short, I end up after three years becoming associate pastor. And then today I'm a senior pastor. Mm -hmm. And when I got the call to become associate pastor, that's when I knew God had called me to the ministry. It was very clear. Oh. Okay, God, I, that's it. Uh, I, just, I just wanted to make sure that it was God calling and not just me. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, I think it's a serious calling. And I think, you know, whatever God calls you to do, you should take it to heart. You should, and, yeah. But I knew with pastoral ministry, I didn't want to do it initially. Uh, I was afraid of my kids would become like a lot of pastor kids I grew up with. Like they just go off the rails. So I was scared. But uh, so I wanted to make sure God called. And so, yeah, um, now I'm yeah married. I've been married 10 years. I have mm. two lovely kids, a three-year-old and a, a five-year-old, a boy and a girl. And yeah, life is not always easy, but it is fulfilling. Mm. I, I can say I'm 34 years old now that all my years have been fulfilling. Even mm. when I was struggling, I could see how God was working. Um, actually, even... There's so many miracles back in my story. So I start to things start to pop up. <laughs> Even the school that I ended up in Virginia going to was actually the answer to my grandmother's prayer. Oh wow. He had actually had met one of the founders of that school and he had gone to Portugal. And uh, she had actually prayed even before I was born. She's, you know, that in our family, my mom's side of the family, most of the, them are girls. Mm-hmm. And so she had prayed that. So one of her daughters would have a, a boy and I end up being the boy in the family. And she says, you know, if God granted her a grandson that he would be in the ministry. I mean, this wow. is even a long time ago. Oh my goodness. That because, is. Yeah. Wow. It's crazy. I know you so, talked about at the beginning about, you know, things that happened before your birth. That's yes, crazy. It is. Wow. Yeah. So today, you know, a lot of, I'm the byproduct of my parents and my grandmother and all the people that prayed for me. And I love it. Uh, even in the struggles. That's I, awesome. I, I praise God. That's so awesome that, you know, you can see God working before you're born yeah. and just like how through all of that, he's been patient with you and just waited for you to come yeah. to where you are now. Wow. That's yeah, so that's my story. Uh, Short? No, that's not short. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, sorry. Long. No, that's exactly how long you're supposed to be. Thank you so much for sharing. That's awesome. I loved I loved hearing all of that. I love the journey through through your life. It's awesome. Yeah, all glory to God. God is good. Amen. And I want to say to our listeners, you know, if maybe you you are somebody that grew up in a sheltered environment, Christian environment, and you're still trying to figure out who you are, not just your parents' religion. But, you know, is this God really mine? And, you know, he is. He really is. But it, it's going to take time 
And, you know, just be faithful in the duties and in the situations that you're in today. If you're a student, be faithful in your studies, not just studying, but, you know, getting other experiences, being faithful as in the church. Just don't sit in the pews. Be active. If you, there's yeah. something you don't like, do something about it, you know. Um, and if you don't, you know, if maybe you're listening to this and you don't have no Christian background, you know, I study with Japanese women that don't have any Christian uh, background. And... Um, take time to to hear people's stories take time to to see the biblical evidence and, and say god hey i don't know if you exist i hear people saying that but reveal yourself and i promise he, he will mm, amen that's awesome well thank you so much for sharing i'm gonna end the podcast now but yeah everybody just remember god's good god is real and have a great week